Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Sock on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Sock that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. You gotta be bleeping me. White Sox fans, welcome in. It's the Sox on tap post game show. Johnny Nani here. And we got a threesome tonight. Tony Marchese and NWI Steve joining me tonight discussing, unfortunately, a White Sox 3 1 loss that was pissed away late thanks to another bullpen collapse. Guys, am I right? Initial reactions here. My initial reaction is, is this um, two three ways. In less than a week, I don't know how I keep finding myself in this position. I love the comic relief because we're going to need it tonight, Steve. That's that's fucking fantastic to come out there and, and just express your 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 love for uh, for being in these in these situations. I'm coming in hot right out the shoot. Yeah, I, I'll let you guys know before. Um, you know, <laughs> with, the, with these three way ones, we might have to start putting these on only fans. Uh, I think that that might be the proper course of action uh, here going forward. So, a little comic relief uh, before we get into this. Um, obviously, result of the game uh, weighing heavily on our minds here tonight. Um, the White Sox in a close one all, all the way through, mostly pitchers duel, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of missed bats uh, in tonight's game, not a whole lot of offense. That's a theme that continues for the White Sox uh, after, you know, a uh, kind of blip on the radar. Uh, on Tuesday night's game with 18 hit performance, five runs um, back to these old ways tonight, even though they did go up against good pitcher. We had a good pitcher for ourselves uh, going up here uh, for the South Siders. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get into all the action here in a second. But listeners, before we do that, make sure you know the place to go on for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at socks on tap and at on tap sports net need white Sox merchandise. Grandstand is the place to go. Go shop right by the ballpark 35th and Wallace. You can also do it online grandstandsocks.com and follow them on social media for all their new releases at grandstand socks. So guys, uh, and we kind of started this one off a little hot, a little comic relief here, but uh, that is just a tough one to lose. And I know it's not the end all be all in the grand scheme of things, just one game, one loss, but the fashion in which they did it um, just so sour, just so sour. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because Lucas Giolito deserved better tonight, much the same way that Lance Lynn uh, deserved better on Monday. The starting pitching has been phenomenal here so far in this series. Um, you know, ultimately the the bats got to start picking this up here. One run is not going to get the job done, and that's really I think where this whole thing kind of starts. Um, you know, you're, you're getting into these late game situations here where you have no margin for error. And if you're only pushing one run across, it's going to be pretty hard to win these types of games, ultimately. Little uh, technical difficulties there. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Uh, but, uh, Johnny, I don't know if that was you or if we were just uh, bombed there by, like, Ron Luce or something for a yeah, second. Yeah, I think, I think we were bob, uh, bombed by the Cubs guys there. Uh, with their game running a little late there. But, uh, yeah, um, 
man, I you got you got to score more runs. That's the bottom line here. Uh, that, that's you know uh, the end all be all when it when it comes down to it. You look at one run. That's never going to get the job done in a game. I always say that whenever, especially if we go down, I always say, oh well, one wasn't going to get done anyway. So you know, White Sox need to score and get that done. But they go up early, they score the one, um, and not able to put anything there. And Grant, I'll give credit to Robbie Ray because he he is a very much swing and miss uh, type of pitcher here. So th- that's what you're going up uh, against there, and it. <laughs> <laughs> it's frustrating. It's frustrating when that happens, but then you can't get to a bullpen later in the game either. Uh, that's also frustrating as well. And then when your bullpen surrenders it too, uh, you get one, one tie uh, going in there, you still have a chance late. All it takes is one swing then uh, later, if you can get yourself out of that. Um, and we didn't even get ourselves a position to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I think that the most frustrating thing for me to see in any ball game is walking runs in. And second to that is seeing Jose Ruiz on the mound in a high leverage situation. And like both of those things happen. And that's where I blew a gasket. Still trying to like summon up the courage to talk about it. You mean the three consecutive singles let up by Aaron Bummer didn't frustrate you? No, that frustrated me. (laughs) That frustrated me a lot. I think, you know, we're going to talk about that play later, but that whole inning might've been the most frustrating fucking inning of White Sox baseball this entire season. I don't know Tony, Tony, would you say that you're mad online? Not yet. I'll get there. I'm a little peeved right now. Um, oh, I'm, you know, I'm there. Uh, I'm yeah. mad online. I, I, I have, I have a rant for the bullpen. I, I talked about it with Steve a little bit while we were waiting for you to jump on here, Tony. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit here. Let, let's start though from the top here because uh, there was some good in this game. And that was Lucas Giolito, uh, the, the best white Sox on the field today. Guys, uh, he goes six innings tonight, uh, five hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, formidable outing for Mr. Gelato. Yeah, Lucas really did a nice job today um, featuring the changeup. You know, the last couple, two, three times out there, he, he's been focusing, utilizing that slide. One of the things that is pretty important for a top-level pitcher is, you know, if you have three-plus quality pitches there, you got to be able to work those in there at various times and from game to game. You got to figure out which one you're going to utilize to put guys away on a consistent basis. Tonight was a changeup. Had that thing working very effectively. Um, was using fastball and slider to get ahead of guys and then that change up, change up to put guys away. Really effective three picks tonight and uh, gets a very quality Toronto Blue Jays lineup. That's just the type of item that you want to see from your, from one of your big guys. Yeah, Steve, I'm going to double down on this a little bit. Uh, I thought that Lucas Giolito's stuff was fantastic. Uh, One thing that Buzz and I have talked about last night, you know, just going into a game against uh, Robbie Ray, obviously the the Blue Jays are a good team. We've, we can go, (laughs) go about this over and over again. The Sox do have a harder time playing good teams. That's, that's to be expected. They are also good teams. Uh, the, the way to go into this one would have been to give a little bit of extra run support to Lucas Gilito early in that ball game. I thought he had the stuff to throughout the day to uh, to carry this team to a victory. Um, this is what you want to see Lucas Giolito doing down the stretch here. These are the types of performances, at least in my mind, guys, and uh, you can feel free to debate this, but that's the type of trajectory you want to get him towards heading into the playoffs because – the beginning of his season this year was was shaky at best 
And it's really good to see this happening right now with Lucas. Right. I agree with you guys. And uh, Steve talked a little bit about the pitch mix that was going on there. Uh, change up just dancing tonight. You love to see that. A little change up cubed action in, in one of those innings where you use three change ups uh, to induce swings and misses um, to uh, get a strike out there. And obviously, uh, it was a very effective pitch for him tonight. And obviously, we know that's a staple of his. But um, I do like seeing a little variety from him. Obviously, you know, we talk about the three pitch mix, being able to use the slider. Uh, feel like the slider last time out when it when he was effective was more so the one that was kind of the highlight headline pitch of the night, whereas the changeup was tonight. And I like seeing, seeing him be able to do that because for so long, we've talked about him as like kind of a two pitch pitcher, just fastball changeup utilizing that. Um, and, and that's how he's gotten his outs. I like if you can have different outings where you're like that. And sure. I know you want to be consistent as a pitcher, but uh, with a fastball changeup, sometimes it's easy, especially when you get to these good lineups, good teams uh, at the end of the year. And when it comes postseason, uh, easy for them to kind of sit on that and, and, uh, be, be able to read it, uh, adjust you a little bit better. But if you kind of throw him a little bit of a curveball, so to say, in a metaphorical sense, not literally a curveball from him, but a slider uh, into that mix too, uh, that, that just makes him more effective and a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously, he does a very good job missing bats. He, you know, he's in your top of the league always uh, in that ever since his breakout season 19. So um, I, I like seeing the, uh, that variety. Uh, mixed in there. That's kind of my biggest takeaway from Geo tonight. So um, let's talk scoring first. Uh, unfortunately, White Sox only score one, but came in top of the third. Larry Garcia, Larry Legend in the lineup tonight, leads off uh, with, with a single in that inning. Uh, K Anderson strikes out, but then Larry Garcia steals uh, second base during uh, Yohan Moncada's at bat. Moncada inside outs one uh, down the right field line, and that gets Lurie home uh, to make this a 1-0 ball game. Brady would strike out the end the inning there, um, but good to see uh, Yoan, uh, who is definitely in a slump for uh, even though despite a 12-game hitting streak, guys, um, you get it done, come through, uh, provide this run for the White Sox early on. It definitely was good, yeah, to, to see him drive in, drive in a run um, in a pivotal spot because that's obviously been a hot-button issue for Quite a while now. Um, I'm, I'm told on some website that uh, starts with a, a T. I don't know if uh, maybe it's called Twatter. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, they tell me that uh, people are constantly ragging on him that he, you know, always strikes out with guys on base and in scoring position when he has an opportunity to kind of help this team out and help them score some runs there. So to kind of come through in that in that particular spot right there was definitely i think important for him um you know they they talked about this a little bit on the broadcast with gordon and and with jason that his rbi numbers overall this year are not particularly high and you know for you know old school people who are stuck in 1950s baseball who only look at rbis as a measure of a player's effectiveness um you know yohan's not having a good year from that standpoint there so um seeing him come through in that spot though that's that was definitely a good thing to see and if they can really get him kind of turned around and going here that would be a major boon for this offense well were you guys at all concerned that that hit wasn't like at least 111 miles per hour exit velocity totally because i i was i yeah. was pretty concerned about that yeah it's fine a hole baby that's what she said mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, <laughs> that's what you get with three-way action here yeah, on Sox on Tampa post-game show. Uh, Blue Jays dancer back in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Vlad Jr., it's one out single, uh, and then Dickerson comes up with two outs and hits an RBI triple uh, opposite field, uh, one that Giolito leaves over the middle of the plate, and it gets hurt. Young it eared it. Yeah, I mean, look, it happens. Um, you know, Dickerson – 
having a little bit of a down year, but you know, he's still a guy that has been a quality major league hitter throughout, you know, the course of his career. And to your point, Johnny, I mean, it's a pitch that just simply got out over the plate too much. He got some good extension on it and was able to find the gap. And, and, you know, Vlad was able to kind of turn the jets on and score from first base on that play right there. So, um, you know, obviously some pretty big gaps at, at Rogers center there, given, uh, given, you know, Vladito a, a lot of opportunity there to go 90 feet at a, at a time right there and score from first. So, you know, happens. Johnny, I'm going to ask you this question. Does this ball player kind of give you like Oakland vibes a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. You right talked now? about you, you talked about it a little bit with like the foul, uh, you know, territory. It's not as massive as Oakland's in that regard, but uh, that kind of like bowl shape a little bit gives you those vibes. Um, and then kind of I don't know, just like the, uh, any like rounded structure like that, I feel like kind of uh, you know it, it, it definitely does give a little bit of Oakland vibes. And obviously, Tony, you and I have aired out uh, mm-hmm. kind of our uh, you know dismay when it comes to uh, the Oakland A's uh, in facing our Chicago White Sox. Yeah, no, I was just wondering, because over the series so far, I just kind of felt like, you know, Steve's talking about the gaps playing a little bit differently here. Obviously, you've got some extra foul territory in this ballpark. I just feel like it was it was so hard to hit a home run these past three days for this White Sox team. And Steve says, you know, ball go far, team go far. But it's not it's not even like tonight you got beat by the home run. You know, you have an excellent pitcher's duel. You've got these things going on throughout this game. And then you know, the, the, the wheels kind of fall off. It wasn't, it was for some reason, very reminiscent to me, Johnny of, of a bullshit Oakland game tonight. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And uh, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but hey, uh, credit to Robbie Ray. I mean, this guy strikes out 14 tonight. Um, that's on the White Sox. They need to, you know, first of all, like I said, credit to him. He's good. But how the, he how the fuck bad. do you concentrate yeah. as a hitter when this guy's grunting after every single fucking pitch <laughs> and he's wearing pants like seven sizes too small? I mean, yeah, the, 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 I've only seen two dudes lately that wear tight pants like that. It's Buzz and Robbie Ray. <laughs> I mean, that, you know what, the, Tony, you say that, but at the same time, uh, I look at that as that is, you know, as much as it might be part of his process and just, you know, what the get up is for him, that also is possibly a, a, a kind of distraction, uh, you know, get your mind off the uh, what's in front of you, uh, you know, tactic uh, when, it, when it comes to him. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the stuff itself. Uh, works and that's why he misses so many bats but there's a whole aura to him like certain guys we talk about like think about guys that we like and guys that are on our team like a lance lynn like in his you know big uh energetic reactions after and swearing at the other team as he walks off the field and then liam hendricks with his primal screams it's all part of their aura and their act and you need, so, to, so be able here's, to, you need to be able to overcome that i that's, agree that's the bottom line i agree with that and i want to dig into this if robbie ray had wound up on the white Sox, would we be supporting the tight pants and grunting yes 100 percent. i don't know steve can you get behind it listen um <clears throat> as a fellow former southpaw pitcher I may or may not have been known to wear my pants on on the tighter side of things. I'm not going to say that I was quite Robbie Ray tight, um, but you know I can I can understand his thought process a little bit with that. You know you got to get the you got to get the ladies a show. Explanation there. I think Johnny gave a good explanation there. It's part of the aura. I mean, even if that's a competitive advantage to the game, I can see where it is. It was uh, Chuck Garfine was even talking about it, and and Pitsednik on the post game how. You know how does how does he grunt after every pitch? If you if you're annoyed with it at home, you got to imagine the Sox hitters are annoyed with it. I think that that's 
you're perfectly valid. And Johnny, you went right to, I, I think, the best explanation for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, here, yeah. Here, here's how you counteract that then. You hit the ball out of the fucking ballpark and you get him out of the game. Well, there you go. Yes. Ball go far. Team go far, Steve. Yeah. The string together some hits would have been nice because that then would drive the pitch count up and that would then achieve the goal. Uh, obviously, you know, hitting the ball at the ballpark too. Um, don't get me wrong. It's the most efficient way to do it. But uh, at the same time, if you get some more uh, strung together and not just have kind of one-off uh, sort of instances against him, uh, it's another effective way to go about it and drive it up. Um, so as we get, get later into this game, guys, um, <laughs> Let's just go right to the fucking bottom of the eighth. Uh, we, we need to rip the Band-Aid off and just fucking do it here. Uh, so th- let's start. Aaron Bummer in to start this eighth inning. First of all, credit to Ryan Tapera because we're going to get a, a lot of bullpen heat that's coming out of my mouth here, at least. I'm sure you guys will have some to share as well, some venom. Uh, but credit to Ryan Tapera. Slider was tight once again. He's looked really good in August for the White Sox here. He had a clean seventh inning, two strikeouts walk, and then induced a pop out to get the White Sox clean through that. White Sox couldn't do anything in their half of the eighth. And then we go to the eighth. Aaron Bummer starts off, looks fine. Uh, you know, he goes, uh, gets first two outs uh, via the strikeout. And granted, I will say the second one was a gift because that pitch on three to one to Vlad Jr. was low. That was a low pitch. But you know what? Guess what? Umpires sometimes miss calls. I think if you go and look at ump scorecard, White Sox have been one of the least favored teams in the league. So, you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe that's some karma coming back around in our favor there. Uh, but either way, so he gets those first two outs uh, via the strikeout. And then uh, some singles start piling up. I'm not too concerned about the first one. Okay. You know, Valera, I think he was a pinch hitter in this situation, comes in, uh, gets a single. And then... Um, Excuse me, it was Hernandez, Teoscar Hernandez, and that guy has been an offensive force all year. And then uh, Valera, the second one, uh, and then you get to Kirk, uh, and this is where uh, the RBI, the game-winning run, uh, would ultimately come in. And, and these balls are getting hard, hit hard off of Bummer here, guys. Um, I, I talked with Steve a little bit about this, and people might be, you know, uh, chastising the matchups and oh, Tony had the quick cook last night when he should have had it tonight and all that. It's never going to be enough. And, and we've had enough. I, I don't care about playing the matchup. I don't care about the fucking numbers at this point. No matter who you put in, in the situation, isn't getting the job done for the White Sox overall this year. I would say when it comes to crunch time here. So that's it. Feels like they're cursed. Uh, that's right. I stand on this um, and it's just disappointing because we know Aaron Bummer shit is good, but unfortunately in crunch time, it has not been. Johnny, you stole pretty much all, all my thunder right there and you did it very eloquently. The fact of the matter is we have seen just about every guy in this bullpen at some point during the course of the season. And some of them like Bummer for a majority part of the season, just simply not be effective out there. And it seemingly is like, it's, it's almost a different guy, you know, every series that, um, you know, goes out there in a high leverage spot that you think is going to get the job done. And then they don't. And so it's not like it's just been one guy. It's really been spread around the entire bullpen. And it's, it's just so unbelievably annoying because you have, a collection of such phenomenal stuff out there. And no matter who you're putting in, in these various spots, it's like something is always jumping up and biting them. And they're just not getting the job done. It's bad luck. Like at this point, it has to be bad luck because there's just been so much with this going into the season Guys, we sat here for hours talking about how great this bullpen was going to be. That was before the acquisition 
of Kimbrel or Tapera, who now play pretty integral roles in this bullpen. I think we talked about it at the trade deadline. I think I said something along the lines of, I didn't think that that was going to be a need for the White Sox. I thought it would have been a nice to have. We're sitting here still dealing with the bullpen having these issues. Um, Dave Bennett comes in. Are any of you even, are you confused that Ruiz was even considered? No, at this point, I'm not. I'm not even confused. I, I know at this point, like, we can make all the all the excuses uh, about you know Tony Larusa having you know poor selection of who to go to and matchups and all the stuff that Johnny said, but I completely agree. Just across the board, this has been a systematic failure for the White Sox bullpen, and I think that there's there's a a large problem with this because I don't know if it's cats. I don't know what it is. I, I don't think it's cats because oh. look at what the starting pitching's done. Yeah. Like, where do you go with this outside uh, of like, this is fucking cursed. It's fucking execution. I agree. You know, you know me. I've been on a Sopranos kick as of late. It's a quote, Polly Walnuts, satanic black magic, sick shit, sick shit going on in the back end of the White Sox bullpen. I don't know what the fucking deal is. I need to read the text that Andrew Kinsler sent me, our guy. Heard him on the show a couple times here this year. Um, he, he sent me a text yesterday, and we were just kind of, you know, White Sox ended up winning that game, but obviously got really interesting and really scary towards the end, uh, and it can never be easy for us, as I think that's a theme that we've discussed here. But he reads, end quote, he sent this to me last night. I swear, the Sox could have traded for Mariano Rivera in his prime, and he'd fucking shit the bed. Sox bullpen this year is straight up embarrassing for how rock solid it is on paper. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, don't know exactly what's going on. It comes down to execution. These guys just aren't getting the job done in the situations that they're placed in. I, I Seriously, I do, I'm, I'm lost for words now. I can't explain it other than that. It's unlucky. It's cursed. It's whatever. I thought, yeah, I'm going mean, to go on the curse side. I mean, for, for as much as I said in the intro that like the, the two things that fucking annoy me at the back end of a ball game is walking in a run and Jose Ruiz in a high leverage situation. So I'll go back to what Dave Bennett said, like at this point, Tony, in my mind, Tony LaRusso throws bummer out there in the eighth inning to test him in a high leverage spot against a good team to, to get him ready for something that may happen in October. That's why you're there with him. I guess That's my, my thought process and it blows up in his face. Like where, where else are you like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not shocked by it at this point. I might be disappointed in it, but I'm not shocked by it. I guess my question um, as it relates to Jose Ruiz, what's the other option at that point? You know, Tapera had already People been. I wanted used. to say Kopech because he only threw nine pitches yesterday. And I think that that's valid. Okay. okay. I, I think that that's a valid, that's, that's a valid fair you know, so somewhere to go. But at this point, you're down a few runs. Do you really want to burn Kopech if you've only got one more chance to come back here and tie this thing? So I can see both sides to this. And I think particularly knowing that you've got Rodon coming coming back tomorrow off of an IL stint. So the odds are you're probably not going to get a great deal of length from him tomorrow. So then you probably want Kopech to kind of back him up there, going from the lefty to the righty. So... You know, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that Kopech would have been the, the right answer in that spot. But, you know, you're not going to go to Kimberlin in that spot right there because you're say, you're you're trying to hold him in case you do get a lead and, and have him for the ninth inning. Um, are, you know, you're not going to go to Crochet, another lefty in that spot. So I just um, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what else we're, we're supposed to do. You're kind of back in a corner there. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? To be honest, with you, I, I like the point that you, uh, you brought up there, Steve. It's like honestly, at that point in my mind, as soon as that first run, uh, that excuse me, the Toronto Blue Jays second run came across the plate, game was over in my mind. Uh, offense wasn't doing shit uh, tonight. Once again, falling back into their ways they'd been basically uh, outside of the outlier that was Tuesday. Um, let's not forget though, uh, you know, with, with that situation, when Ruiz does come in, uh, Guriel reaches on the air. That was some Ole bullshit from Yohan Moncada. Hey, I, I like to praise him a lot on the show, but I'll give him hell when he needs that's Ole bullshit that ends up leading to a walk uh, in the run in Tony something that grinds your uh, gears uh, Gritchuk uh, able to draw the walk that brings in the third run uh, Espinal would ground out uh, to end that inning so um, I think we can put that in the past I think we got a lot of our grapes out there so uh, White Sox not able to do anything in their inning uh, half of the ninth inning uh, you know Robert started off looked like there might be some hope uh, with the leadoff single here uh, I just want to get to a point that I was talking about here with uh, Steve right before we jumped on uh, and that's Andrew Vaughn coming up and he grounds out. And I see a lot of people go right to Frank Menachito. Don't get me wrong. If you interrupt me, I'm probably at this point with how you know frustrated I am with things. Uh, I'm on that board too. Like fucking like fire Frank Menachito, like whatever. Like, okay. Mm. I, I understand that. I understand the fuck. Uh, okay. This is just, I'm saying, I understand the frustration that comes with that. And people want to do that. And it was specifically about Vaughn, this quote from back in May that they're talking about, you know, what do you say? Fuck the home run. Let's hit 300. I agree. Whatever bad mentality ball, go far team, go far. We've talked about it endless times this year, but it's not just a controlled instance. It's like, how many times like, do you say that when he pops out in, in the infield there? Oh, we put the ball in the air. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's on these guys then at some point too. Uh, also, and you saw stretches too. And Steve brought up a great point since like, what is it? End of June, June 30th, something like that. White Sox lead the league in home runs. So guess what? Like, it's not just like Frank Menachino's quote from May that's affecting them at this point. Well, and I thought that that quote, we went back and it was specifically said about Andrew Vaughn's plate approach versus the entire team. And so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to defend Frank here from anything. I think that there's plenty of questions about why the offense goes cold so often. Um, I think the number one thing you point to here, guys, is the offense goes cold so often because it's been plagued with injuries in and out of it. And guys who should be hitting in spots and protecting other yeah. guys throughout the order just simply haven't been there. That's, that's a that's a point. There is enough firepower, though, in, in my mind. To no, there absolutely is. There absolutely there absolutely is enough firepower to make up for it. And I think that there are guys in, on this team that can be called out for having moments throughout the season that were not great, that were not up to par with where they should be. And let's remember, just a couple of months ago, as this thing's developing and as we're building this lead, some of the guys that were coming through in key situations your Billy Hamiltons, your Gavin Cheats, your Jake Burgers for a couple days. Like, there's not really that guy right now, at least in my mind, that's like carrying the team at the moment the way we saw earlier this year, carrying the offense. And it was Tim Anderson until he, you know, was just, you know, missed four games in a row or something right there. I think it was four. Um, that, Timmy was the guy. And so, that torch never really got passed over the past few days. And it just in, in my mind. Fair point. Uh, I, there's a number of factors to it. And we're, we're all just kind of speaking uh, out of frustration here because guess what? If they go hot, they, they get hot. They, they catch fire again. Um, you know, Steve talked about this. Uh, it was after, actually not on the air after we hung up. I do kind of wish it was on though, Steve. Uh, what would you say about it? it feels so much worse when the offense is performing than if it were just like a pitching, uh, you know, kind of uh, faltering 
Yeah, look, look, when a team is slumping and just offensively and you're not scoring, you feel more lifeless than if you're out there, if you're you're executing offensively, if your starting pitching is doing well, but if your bullpen is the one that is collapsing. That just, for whatever the reason, it doesn't necessarily make sense because ultimately you need all these different phases to be working harmoniously in order to win a baseball game and to get hot the way that, that we've seen this team do at various points during the season. But it's just there's something psychological about the fact of not hitting as a collective unit. And you see today, what did they have, like 15 strikeouts as a group? It was just ugly out there. And so you have these days where you just have these terrible at-bats that you seem like they're just going up there and just pissing them away, not getting themselves into good quality hitters counts, not going up there with a plan or with, with an approach. It just makes things feel worse than they really are. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're getting uh, close to the half hour mark here. So uh, we'll wrap up this and start previewing the series finale. But one thing I can do, uh, say to, to kind of wrap that up, I think is, you know, as hitting is contagious, feels like slumping is contagious as well. So uh, we'll end it on that. And let's talk series finale because, hey, guys, we still got a chance to split as much as the piss and vinegar as we spewed here tonight. Carlos Rodon's coming back tomorrow. That was just announced today. Tony LaRusso said that. That was the plan. Ethan Katz kind of outlined it with how they're going to manage and give him some extra rest, working off days, all that stuff. Starts tomorrow. Carlos Rodon coming back, pitching this matinee finale. It'll be 2.07 p.m. Central time uh, on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, White Sox and Blue Jays up from Rogers Center one last time here. Hyunjin Ryu uh, starting on the bump. Uh, Battle of lefties here uh, in this series finale. What are we expecting from this matchup? It's going to be interesting to see what Carlos Rodon's stuff looks like here after his IL stint. Um, you know, kind of see what kind of overall arm and shoulder strength he's got. If that fastball has the life that we've grown accustomed to seeing here this season. And then if he's able to complement that, obviously, with the um, good slider to put guys away, changing the eye levels. This is obviously a very talented Toronto Blue Jays lineup, a team that likes to be aggressive in the strike zone, especially early in counts. So Carlos is definitely going to have to work ahead, um, stay away from the middle part of the plate right there. And I think realistically, you got to look for him just to get 15 outs tomorrow, kind of on um, almost on the Dallas Keiko plan. Just I'm not thinking they're going to try to stretch him out real deep. So go out there, pound the strike zone with that fastball, um, utilize it at the top part of the zone as he has done so effectively throughout the course of this season here and put this team in a chance to, to in a position to try to win this game. Yeah, Steve, I think that that's something that I'm going to be looking at as well is, is how does Carlos Rodon's fastball look tomorrow? Is he reaching back and hitting 98, 99, like we saw earlier this year, or is he a more reserved kind of, 2021 version of Garrett Crochet, Steve, where it's sitting 94, 95 throughout most of the day. Uh, that's something that I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching, but uh, I want to go and, and spin this a little bit more towards the offensive side of things. You saw, what was it, 18 hits uh, last night, and then tonight things were just kind of lifeless. Obviously, Robbie Ray has some really nasty stuff that induces a lot of uh, swing and miss. Um, you know, Ryu's not a... Uh, not a slouch either. So let's get out there and try and have a better approach. I don't think he's Robbie Ray, but uh, let's go out there and try and have a better approach tomorrow. And actually, like Johnny said, string some hits together early on in the ball game. I think that that's something that the White Sox are not too far removed from doing. Uh, This was one game. You can 
consider it a blip on the radar if you come back out and the offense starts moving early in this ball game. So that's that's what I'm looking for. Is it's crooked numbers within the first three three innings. Right. You guys talked about some tactical stuff there. Um, so I'm just going to kind of keep it more general and why I'm hopeful for Carlos Rodon. Like I've been, I've been a little too, I got into negative Nani mode tonight, guys. I brought it back. I was here. He showed up, you know, first it was, appearance it was, this year. It was bound to happen. There have been here and there, but I don't think it's been a full show's worth. So I'm going to bring it back and I'm just going to say why I'm hopeful for Carlos Rodon. Okay. Because I, I kind of covered the storyline from his, uh, you know, sort of going on the IL and then obviously Lance Lynn taking over to pitch the Field of Dreams game. And then, um, but before that, let's backtrack before that. Um, he had the two bad starts against the Brewers and the Royals, where Tony, like you were saying, something that you're looking out for, fastball velocity was down. Um, you know, you could tell he was just tired. He didn't have it, um, as we like to say here. Um, but then he gets a little extra rest. They're able to utilize a couple off days. They threw a Jimmy Lambert spot start in, gave him a basically full seven days of rest. He comes back for that Cubs outing. Sure, only went five, but he strikes out 11. Two hits, no earned runs, two walks. Um, excellent outing there, what he did in fastball velocity. He was ramping it up when it came fourth, fifth inning of that outing. He was ramping it back up into that 98, 99 range that you like to see, Tony. Um, if that's an indication of what he has, and now he's had a couple weeks off, of you know resting and it was shoulder fatigue uh that's another thing too the designation for this injury wasn't a rotator cuff you know uh inflammation or it wasn't you know elbow issues that have plagued him in the past obviously he's had a laundry list of those throughout his career um if it was just fatigue and just getting him some rest and obviously as they should set him up for the important games when it comes down this home stretch to the season if that start against the cubs after just seven days of rest is anything of what's come for the bottom you know home stretch of the season here i'm hopeful that we're going to get early season Carlos Rodon form back here. So um, I'm point. looking for a good outing and I think he will. I think it, I agree with you guys. I think it will be limited to around the five inning mark, but I do think he can uh, get back to that. And if it was truly just shoulder fatigue and they're not, you know, throwing smoke and mirrors out at us. And uh, I, you know, don't think he would be coming back uh, as soon if it were something more serious. So um, I, that's why I have hope for this one. Other than that, on the offensive side, Tony, you covered it. Man, uh, I wasn't a hitter in my day. I was a pitcher. So, uh, you know, fucking start straight together some hits. Offense is contagious. Uh, ball go far, team go far. Um, that's about the depth of the offensive insight that I can give to this one. Let's get picks to click, guys. I've ranted enough here. Who you got? All right. Uh, got Ryu on the mound, another lefty. Um, assuming he's in the lineup, I'm going to take Andrew Vaughn. I'm going to say he gets a little bit of redemption. He had a couple of cookies he missed tonight. I think he's going to he's going to turn the tide tomorrow. I'll go Tim Anderson, Johnny. I'm, I'm going to go T.A. I think that uh, he had his trials and tribulations of getting back in the lineup today. Um, it just wasn't a crisp T.A. game. Uh, I think he's going to want to go uh, out there tomorrow and prove some shit. Um, you know, come back there. He, if he is truly the straw that stirs the drink, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a leadoff home run tomorrow. Day yep. game, just, you know, go out there and, and do his thing. So I, I'm going TA. Uh, like when we start fast, you saw what a start, uh, fast start did uh, for us on Tuesday night. Um, that was nice to see. Um, I'll stick with the righty theme here uh, with a Ryu, a lefty on the mound. And I haven't picked him in a while. So MB Pito, uh, I know you guys have been frequenting him uh, a little bit as of late. Uh, ben, uh, I'd say probably at least a week since I've picked him. So I'll go Pito, only guy that has a home run in the series for our White Sox. So um, we'll roll with that. Um, I like our picks there. Uh, last bit of news, couple things. Uh, we talked about Rodon coming back, obviously. That is uh, confirmed. Tony Larusa did say that, that he is coming back. Yasmani Grandal, on the other hand, his return is imminent. Uh, no, that's finger quotes I'm doing here. So you got the 
shorter screens here. So it could bring them closer. Imminent uh, is what Tony Lewis has said. So uh, I would assume that probably doesn't mean back tomorrow, but I would not be shocked, guys, to see him back uh, for the Crosstown Classic at 35th and Shields here. Uh, when the good guys return home, boys will be back in town on Friday. So uh, that's one thing to look forward to. Other thing, too, if you're going out to the ballpark this weekend and throughout uh, here the rest of this, masks are now required indoors uh, at areas uh, of guaranteed rate fields. So that means, you know, club uh, suite seats, um, you know, Rev Brew room uh you, yeah, there you go steve you got the mask there uh a <laughs> craft cave uh there's an article on tapsportsnet.com if you want to find out all the areas where you need to wear and bathrooms as well are included in that so uh just make note of that if you're going out to the ballpark no before you go uh make sure you bring it and uh wear that in those areas so um that's about it from the show final thoughts and we'll wrap this thing up guys get a win tomorrow you go seven and seven in this brutal 14 game stretch I think if at the start of it, you would have told us as a group that they'd come out of it at 500, I think collectively we all would take it. So find a way to get a win tomorrow. Yeah, I echo exactly what Steve said here. Uh, I think, Steve, when we when we were driving to Iowa, we talked a little bit about this stretch of baseball that was coming up. Uh, and we kind of knew that there was going to be you know, some turbulence along the way. And I think that the White Sox have actually done a fairly good job of, of navigating it. I think it's a good thing that we've kind of dissected some of the deficiencies of this team um, just from the sense of it, it helps us kind of understand where we're going to be come October. And we all know that the team's got to get hot, but I, I don't think it's, it's, it's too hard to pick out what the weaknesses are of the White Sox. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's good to see that because if we see it, I would hope the team sees it and works on those things and kind of makes them, uh, get a little bit better down the stretch here. I'm sure that, uh, you know, the, they, they say that these are the dog days of summer. I'm sure that some of the fatigue and stuff that uh, has set in injuries, nagging stuff is, is definitely playing a little bit of a factor here. This team hasn't been exactly healthy, but if you get that win tomorrow, I think seven and seven over the, like the toughest stretch of the season. I mean, most good teams that are making the playoffs and making runs are probably somewhere around there. That's I test. I'm not looking at all this other stuff, but Steve, I know you've texted me a few times about this. Um, you know, the records of some of the other good teams, playoff teams in baseball. Um, they look like the White Sox do. And also, and I'll take it a step further. So I was listening to MLB radio today when I was uh, spending my 9 billion hours in the fucking car driving. Um I can't remember who it was, if it was Casey Stern or, or whomever, but they were talking about the, the 2019 Nationals, the team that won the World Series, that had that horrific start. They were, you know, 15 games under 500. If you go and if you look at their schedule and, and their record against teams with records above 500 in the regular season, they were like 15 games below 500. And that team won the World Series. So. Just keep that in mind. So, some pitching strength there, Steve, too, uh, that mm-hmm. I think we can uh, equate to that of the White Sox here in 2021. So uh, good points all around. My final thoughts for tomorrow. Um, obviously, bats need to get it going. And bullpen, uh, you know, uh, flush that one. Uh, be ready to go tomorrow because you're probably going to need it. I would assume Rodon is going five innings max. So, um, you know, flush it. Get back out there, uh, ignore the outside noise, uh, and get the job done tomorrow. Uh, show us why uh, you were so highly touted and uh, should be uh, because stuff is there, arms are there, um, time to just execute. So, Does somebody need it. to get the bullpen a plunger? Because they've been flushing all fucking year. 
<laughs> yeah, I think they might. It might, it might be a little back up there, Tony. Maybe that's the issues. Plunger will fix it. Yeah. We'll so. get a guy on it. All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for dropping comments here in the live stream. Uh, make sure you're joining us here on these. Uh, if not, you can find them in podcast form wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Go and visit ontapsportsnet.com where you can find articles about your White Sox and all other Chicago sports teams. Give us a follow on social media at Sox on Tap and at Ontap Sportsnet. When you're shopping, White Sox merchandise grandstand is the place to go. 35th and Wallace, right by the ballpark in-store location, and then online, grandstandsocks.com. You can also follow them on social media at grandstandsocks. Guys, that's it. We've blown a lot of hot air tonight. Only got three words. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.